Inside the Groove is a podcast which takes a song by Madonna every episode and dissects its creative process, examining the songwriting, the production and the recording. By playing you the demos, the studio sessions and isolated tracks, including Madonna's vocals, sometimes along with previously unheard takes, we explain why Madonna has been behind some of the biggest moments in pop history over the past 40 years. The eternally optimistic Holiday was Madonna's first international hit and despite sounding very 1983, remains a timeless piece of work which has followed the star's career. It was released in the US in September 1983. In the UK, it was released initially in the January of the following year. It would then be released again in Britain in 1985 and in 1991. And in the UK, it reached number six, number two, and then number five. And the 1985 release was only held off the top spot by Into the Groove. Elsewhere, it was a top 10 hit in Australia, Belgium, Germany, Ireland, and the Netherlands, and New Zealand. And it topped the Billboard Dance Club songs in the US. For many, it's synonymous with Madonna's self-titled debut album, which was later retitled The First Album, and which has sold over 10 million copies to date, with half of those being in the US. However, it stands apart from that largely Reggie Lucas production, being the only song on the album produced by John Jellybean Benitez. It was written by Curtis Hudson and Lisa Stevens, the demo of which has never surfaced. Don't be fooled by fake demos on the internet. That original demo was cut at Mixolydian Studios in New Jersey, but has since been lost, perhaps forever. However, I've tracked down a rare interview with the pair where they discuss what their original sounded like and their contribution to Madonna's version. If you listen to the podcast about Borderline, then you'll be aware that Madonna was unhappy with the direction her record had taken, and she asked her on-off boyfriend Jellybean to remix certain songs from the release to take them back to basics. When an opportunity arose to record one more song for the album, Madonna enlisted Jellybean to produce. He does, at least, have a producer's credit on the song, though there's some debate about who was ultimately responsible, and we'll discuss that later. Lucky Star had originally been planned as the single, but radio favoured Holiday. But with no video made, Madonna instead embarked upon an enormous amount of TV promotion around the globe, often performing the song with her brother Christopher and friend Erica Bell. The performance from the show's Solid Gold is one of the most fondly remembered. The song would be remixed for the Immaculate Collection, as well as appearing in extended and dub form on the You Can Dance project. But the record that introduced Madonna to a global audience and kick-started her career was almost never recorded, and its production would be a matter of debate still not totally resolved nearly 40 years later. So, for now, sit back, relax. It's time for the good times as we go Inside the Groove.
I always think that holiday is overplayed and overrated. And then I hear it again, maybe on the radio as I'm driving, and I fall in love with it all over again. It's such a great tune. And it makes me feel so summery, despite having been originally released in January. Perhaps I'm associating it with the summer of 1985, when Madonna was on top of the charts and on top of the world. Or perhaps the following year, when MC Micah G and DJ Sven said they wanted to ring rang a dong for our holiday. Hmm, perhaps not. But Holiday was the first song I heard by Madonna when she performed on Top of the Pops in January 1985. On the same show was Cindy Lauper doing Girls Just Wanna Have Fun, and I much preferred that song. I thought that Madonna was a bit dirty, unkempt, and perhaps a bit vulgar. What changed? Well, nothing. It was me that changed. And as you might have guessed, I became a bit of a fan shortly after. But what is it about Holiday that sounds so good and keeps sounding fresh today? Well, I'm going to try and investigate that. But it's a song that almost was never recorded. As I mentioned in the intro, the podcast about Borderline discusses the production of that first album and how Madonna was really unhappy with the lack of involvement she had on the record, feeling that Reggie Lucas kept the project to himself. Madonna had eight tracks for the album, which seemed okay, because a few of them ran for over six minutes. However, the song Ain't No Big Deal was also recorded by an act called Barracuda who decided to put it out. So it was dropped from the release, leaving only seven tracks. Michael Rosenblatt was Madonna's A&R guy, and he knew that they needed one more up-tempo track. But there was no money left in the budget. So they sent Madonna to LA to meet the executives at Warner Brothers Records. Madonna won over the execs and they were given $10,000 to record a new song. It was also whilst in LA that Madonna met Freddie DeMann, who would go on to become her manager. He also looked after Michael Jackson and Madonna decided to sign with Freddie when she saw the video for Beat It, which was about to premiere on MTV. According to Michael, they returned to New York and he approached a number of producers, including Reggie and Jellybean, and asked them to find a track. That doesn't quite match other people's recollections. Reggie Lucas himself says that he'd already departed the project by this point. I guess when Madonna's movie comes out, we'll find out the truth. However, it was certainly Jellybean that found the track Holiday. But how was it written and how exactly did it find its way to Madonna? Curtis Hudson and Lisa Stevens were two members of a four-piece act called Pure Energy who were signed to Prism Records. They made post-disco dance music and had a couple of hits in 1982 with the songs Breakaway and Too Hot. As for Holiday, well, Lisa had come up with some opening chords and had been humming them, and Curtis overheard them and thought that sounded interesting. Lisa felt it could be a ballad and was left to think about how the song could come together. But actually, Curtis came up with a bass line and that hook of Holiday Celebrate. The pair pushed around ideas for a short while, but it was Curtis who claims to have built the bulk of the song in around 30 minutes in his head, with Lisa contributing the It Would Be So Nice line. Curtis said that the music inspired the lyrics, but he'd been watching a lot of television lately and had seen the depressing news and wanted to create something a bit more upbeat. The band, which included Curtis's brothers Raymond and Wade, cut the demo in New Jersey. Now, I've often thought that the song sounds very much like this track by The Whispers from 1980. 
Whether And The Beat Goes On was an inspiration for Holiday, I don't know. But a lot of friends of the band thought it was a surefire hit, including Cool and the gang who were recording in the same studio at the time. Prism Records, however, decided that it wasn't a hit and rejected the song. At this point, Jellybean was doing some remixing for Prism Records and would often see Curtis and Lisa. They said they had a track that was rejected by their record company but they thought was a winner and they wondered if he wanted to shop it as a hit. Jellybean played it to a number of artists including soul singer Phyllis Hyman but she turned it down. However, when the opportunity came to record a new song for Madonna, he played it to her and she loved it. Michael Rosenblatt also liked the song, but gave Jellybean just five days to record it. Starting on the Monday, he had to have a completed track by Friday if it was to make the cut for the album. Jellybean was a DJ. He'd done some remix work, but never a producer's job. However, Pure Energy were on hand to help him create the track. According to Curtis, they took a cassette of the demo into the studio and pretty much recreated it. Curtis played guitar and Raymond played bass. But it seems the majority of the programming was done by keyboardist Fred Zarr. Fred played on a number of key songs from the 1980s, from artists ranging from Jocelyn Brown through to the Pointer Sisters and even Madonna wannabe Debbie Gibson. He told Rolling Stone magazine, Jelly Bean hired me to put my own touch on it. I was using new equipment at the time, the Oberheim system, which was the OBX synthesizer, the DMX drum machine and the DSX sequencer. I was reading the manual while I was programming in the studio. It was very primitive, but it was state-of-the-art at the time. It allowed me to sort of have 12 hands at one time to program the drums and sync it to the OBX and some other keyboards, a bass part on the Moog, some string sounds. Jellybean and Madonna came to my house. I pressed play, the computer play part of the track. They loved it. We went into the studio the next day and I overdubbed the piano solo. Madonna played the cowbell a couple of days and it was done. Lisa and Curtis have a slightly different recollection. They did an interview for Blog Critics and Lisa says, Fred added a lick in there, the piano solo at the end of the song. Everything else is exactly like we did it for them to follow, except I sang all the backgrounds on the demo and Madonna had the vocalist she was going to use at the time, Norma Jean Wright and Tina Baker. In the same interview, Curtis says, We cut the rhythm track in a day and the song got really popping. Everyone was really happy. Madonna was in the studio throughout the recording of the rhythm tracks. She's a very hands-on type of person. But matching the demo was a big concern for us, down to the string sounds. I didn't want to get away from that because Jellybean and Madonna had felt the demo had a certain magic. On the demo, I played Rhodes and programmed strings and drums. It was pretty much transferring what we did to a bigger studio. We had used the Lindrum, but Fred had brought in the DMX. Well, stay tuned, listeners, because I'm going to boil that down a bit further when we listen to the multitrack. Meanwhile, Curtis was disappointed not to get a production credit on the record. He said, Jellybean presented the song to the label. They had slated him to produce it as he had an existing relationship with Madonna. It came with the territory that he would be credited as a producer. We debated amongst the group, I wanted a production credit, but we said, it's one song, let that song be the way to get us out there. As well as Cowbell, Madonna of course performed the vocals. She did those privately. Lisa said, I was there for the recording of the rhythm tracks, but Madonna wanted to do her own thing on the vocals and backgrounds, with no one else in there. She wanted to get her vibe, and she did a great job. Curtis says, 
The vocals are one of the major differences between the demo and the master for Madonna. Lisa's were more soulful and had more of a gospel flavor and were a bit more energetic. Madonna's style made it more popish. But Lisa added, oh, she got some soul in there. That's what the public was saying. I was really happy with the way it turned out. As for the song's legacy, well, Jellybean's clearly very fond of it, even though he went on to produce another hit for Madonna, Crazy For You. But he says, it's amazing to see. Madonna still performs it on her tours, sometimes as an encore. It always gets an amazing reaction. It's a song that they remember. For Curtis and Lisa, it's a little bittersweet. They had hoped to make it big in the music industry, though that never really happened. And Curtis sometimes wonders if his lack of production credit has something to do with that. However, even though Holiday can't be considered to be a massive chart hit, it's been an enduring one and has constantly played on the radio today and of course performed by Madonna in most of her concerts. This brings in revenue and effectively Lisa and Curtis have managed to live off the royalties for the last 35 years. And even today they have people telling them the impact the song had and perhaps they realize its iconic status. So what is it in that recording that's made it such a memorable hit? Let's boil it down. First of all, let's go to the drums. What you're hearing here is the Oberheim DMX drum machine. You're hearing the kick, the hi-hat, the snare and the clap. And you may recall that's the same drum machine that was used on Into the Groove and also used in countless hip-hop songs, possibly forming the basis of the sample that was used in Justify My Love. Now, when I listen to it carefully, I can hear a bit of a spill from the track. I can certainly hear the bass guitar and some of the synths in there. But also on the multi-track are these drums. Now that's the Lindrum, the LM1. I don't think they're in the final mix of the album version of Holiday, and there's no spill, so were they recorded beforehand, perhaps by Curtis and team? Possibly. However, I think the multi-track that's leaked is actually the version from the You Can Dance album, which has additional work by Jellybean on it, and I'm pretty sure that that version uses a Lindrum sample, along with some live percussion that's not in the album version. Meanwhile, here from Michigan, we have Madonna Louise Veronica Giacconi on the cowbells. I think I always assumed this was a synth, but no, apparently it's Madonna herself playing these. If it's not her, then it's Bashiri Johnson, who's credited with percussion on the track, including, I assume, this tambourine. And on the You Can Dance version, you get a conga that you can't hear in the regular version, but it's there on the remix and in the Immaculate Collection version. This is what it sounds like. I think those are real congas, but I think they're a small sample that's been looped and played around with rather than actually being played live. Quite innovative for 1987, which is when the remix was done. And here's Fred Zarr's bass line. using the pattern created by Curtis Hudson when he wrote the song. Also on the track is a bass guitar playing the same pattern. Now I've listened to this recording really carefully and you can hear Madonna's vocal as if it's been picked up by the amp. And that would suggest that this was recorded after her vocals, obviously. 
that contradicts what Curtis said about the recording of the rhythm track. However, it's possible it was just redubbed again. And here's a beautiful Rhodes piano. I love this sound so much. For such an upbeat track, this is really quite melancholic. And here's Fred on the piano. And at the end of the song, he plays more of a funky riff. Then we have some synth strings. Then there's this melody. Plus this part using the same sound. Then two guitars from Curtis. Here's the other one. Next, we have the backing vocals. And if you listen carefully at what's coming up, you'll hear Madonna's voice underneath the BVs. We need a holiday. Holiday. Celebrate. Just one day. It would be so nice. That would suggest that her lead vocal was recorded first. And let's listen to that lovely lead vocal without any effects on it. You can turn this world around And bring back all of those happy days Put your troubles down It's time to celebrate Let love shine And we will find A way to come together Can make things better we need a holiday if we took a holiday. Holiday is, of course, one of Madonna's most enduring and best loved hits. It's still being played today and still sounds fresh in a sort of retro way. I think it'll be with Madonna for the rest of her career. It makes you feel happy, it makes you feel strong and empowered, and it makes you want to dance. And I guess that's Madonna's USP. If you're a patron of this podcast, then your next episode will be that deep dive into Express Yourself Performed Live. You'll also get early access to the next regular episode, which will be looking at the 2003 song American Life. If you're not a patron, then you'll have to wait. But you can become a patron for just a dollar. Just go to 
patreon.podbean.com slash inside the groove. When Jellybean was asked to remix Holiday in 1987 for You Can Dance, he finally got the chance to do a proper remix of the track. He hadn't had that opportunity in 1983. The rush release of Holiday meant that the DJs were serviced the album version in itself over six minutes long. That version, as we know, includes some new sounds and was the basis of Shep's mix for Immaculate Collection. And he also got to do a dub mix, which at the time appeared just on the CD and the cassette. I really like that version, so I'm going to play you out with it now. In the meantime, stay safe.